Okay. 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 Back to one. Okay. Back to one. like we're all counting days right now, but I found a way to do it that's actually moving my next project forward. Assistant Director Gary Cotty taught me movie magic scheduling, and he has some amazing insight to share. This is OK Back to One, surviving the stops and starts of a Hollywood career. I'm Carrie Carlock. Hi, everybody. Thanks so much for joining me. I have been thinking so much about my last episode, that conversation with Dr. Monisha Vasa about moving toward. It's really helped me prioritize some of the things I'm trying to do right now. And I've heard a lot from you, too, that it helped. So yay, I'm so excited. I have been journaling, not every night, but once every couple of days. And I am using the deck. I'm drawing a card and writing a little. And it's, it's been great. And I'm happy to report that Monisha did an Instagram live with a friend and she's looking forward to her first solo outing. So congrats to her. I'm feeling very optimistic about all of this. And in feeling more optimistic, it's helped me be a little bit more gentle with myself. And I got an idea to move move toward another big project and not only accomplish a goal, but in a fun and achievable way. I've been wanting to learn Movie Magic software. Movie Magic is a program that is specifically for filmmakers to schedule and budget their films. Without the software, you just have to do it all by hand. Um, or, you know, I know some people that have their own Excel sheets or have created their own file makers, but this is kind of a one stop shop and it's the industry standard. And I started looking into classes, but it really seemed too rigid and stressful. <laughs> But then I got kind of an inspired idea. I asked a friend to teach me. Nick's best friend from college and now my good friend is an AD and he did the preliminary schedule for Armstrong. And he's just one of those people that's thoughtful and helpful. And I just knew he'd be a good teacher. And since we're both like cooped up and a little bored, he agreed to get on Zoom and be my professor. Um, Zoom happy hours and game nights are so March. Now it's all about Zoom University. We did it over about three weeks. We would meet once or twice a week, and he would teach me a piece of the process. Zoom worked great because he could share his screen and show me around the software. So he would sort of give me a lesson on a portion of the process, and then I'd go do homework, and I took our current script to use as practice. And then he'd teach me the next part, and I'd go do homework, and he'd grade it, and so on. I learned so much, and, and we also just had fun, and it was a different way to keep in touch. There was a lot of great tidbits and insights for indie filmmakers that came up during the process, so I'm thrilled that he agreed to be on the podcast, too. Gary Cotty is a graduate of the DGA's Assistant Director Training Program and has been an assistant director since 2010. He's a second AD in television and first AD in low-budget independent films. His past projects include two seasons of House, the final season of Baskets, and four seasons of Cinemax's Banshee, where he started as an additional second AD and worked his way up to the first AD by the final season. He also won a DGA award for Outstanding Directorial Achievement in a Comedy Series as part of Bill Hader's directorial team on the pilot of HBO's Barry. Did you study film in college with Nick or were you studying photography? 
Um, I graduated from Ithaca College with a degree in cinema and photography with a concentration in still photography. Okay. That was always my focus. So what ended up happening is, you know, Nick was like, you should move to L.A. We can make some short films together and we'll just see what happens. And at 22, I was like, sure, let's just see what happens. Um, And I ended up getting a job with a commercial photographer as a photo assistant. So a lot of people that have known me for a while, you know, you know, my professional career as an assistant director, there's this assumption that you're like, you moved to Hollywood with a dream. And I was like, no, I didn't. (laughs) I moved to Hollywood because I had no other plans. And this friend of mine thought it would be a good idea. And it kind of worked out. (laughs) So what shifted that you wanted to, that you got interested in ADing? What I found out while I was working for that photographer was he originally hired me as a retoucher. So I was at the computer every day. And then when he would book different clients and had bigger shoots, like I specifically remember this one shoot where we had to photograph a bunch of pickup trucks on a dirt bike race track. Ah, I'm seeing it. Right, exactly. (laughs) It was sort of like, I got really good at sort of like, where can we get the trucks? How do we get them there? Where do we park the cars? How do we get lunch? How many people when do we leave? Like, I became really good at that. And he sort of naturally started calling me the studio manager all of a sudden. Mm. And I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. Like, I found that I was more satisfied with successfully planning and executing the logistics more than I was satisfied with the the creative endeavor. Mm -hmm. I remember on that shoot specifically just on a piece of paper drawing little squares of who was in what car right and when we had to leave pasadena and caravan to the place and who was going to do what right i was like oh this is this seems very natural Mm -hmm. it's almost like it it deals with both creativity and logistics and the two intersect they do um, and also at that time, uh, Nick and I were making these, these really tiny, tiny short films, like budget of maybe 300 bucks um, on the weekends. And Nick was very much sort of the creative spearhead to that. And we did work well in a sense of like, he would come up with these ideas and I was like, well, how are we going to fit it all in my truck? Which is, you know, it's very basic, but that's kind of how it worked. Yeah. And... Another friend of mine, uh, my friend Sean Adley, worked with us on one of our short films, and he was producing a very low-budget movie. I think the budget was somewhere around $50,000. Oh, wow. And he, said, and he said, I need a first assistant director. This was 2006. And I said, great. Uh, what does that person do? And he goes, I'm not really sure, but I bet you could do it. And... The movie is called The Gay Ben Breakfast of Terror. It's an actual <laughs> movie. You can see it. It was it played out fest. Um, and I truly didn't know what I was doing. We were living where we were shooting in an abandoned mansion in the middle of nowhere, Arizona. We lived and shot in the same spot. Oh my god! I never knew this story. Oh my god! Yeah. We woke up. It was, it was like it was. It basically, it's a. It's a horror comedy sex farce you don't say yeah (laughs) and i remember saying to a friend of mine you know i really like this role this job but i'm clearly learning as i go so that friend of mine said well (laughs) he literally looked me in the eyes and he said you know that there is a program with the directors guild of america that teaches people how to be assistant directors in a 
400 day work training program? And I said, no, I had no idea. And the next time I saw him, he gave me an application and I applied to be in the DBA <laughs> assistant director training program. Uh, and thankfully I got in. So that's how I, that's sort of the progression of how, how I got in. And yeah. And it served you really well, right? I mean, it served me really well. I have nothing but gratitude towards the program administrators and how it operates. And, you know, it gave me, you know, a spectacular career so far. Mm -hmm. And so when you started and you were on big, bigger sets, you were on professional sets, were you like, oh, yes, this is the, did it become very clear? This is the definite path. Yes. Mm, That's exciting. Just visually, when you go up to the, when you show up and you're like, oh, trucks. (laughs) There's all these trucks. Yeah. They have all the stuff in it and everybody sort of seems to know where they're going Mm -hmm. and everybody seems to sort of knew where they were going and everybody knew what to do. It's very choreographed. Yes. When you come into that as a brand new person that has minimal experience, you just learn by watching everybody do it Mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, you know, this prop department's been doing this for 15 years, so they know what to do. Yeah. and so you learn, you actually end up learning from all those, not just from the AD department, but from all the other departments. And one of the fortunate things about being a trainee is that everyone on the set knows that you're a trainee. And so there are other department heads and crew in other departments that will talk to you and be like, let me tell you about how to interact with the costume department. And mm. you're like, oh, you're so much for letting me know that. Right, right, right. Please knock on the door of the fitting room before you just run right in. Right. Yeah. Good inside information. So how, so like, how do you, if somebody asks you what an AD does, what do you say? How do you define it? There, um, I just tell them to go to Wikipedia and look it up. (laughs) I would say if somebody asked me what an assistant director does, I would tell them that we execute the director's plan. Uh, within the time allowed mm-hmm. and the last part's the most you know the trickiest part mm-hmm. within the time allowed because there's a budget and executives and the studio above you being like you have this amount of time to do it but that what i learned working with you is that the number of days really starts with you it does and it doesn't in the case of uh, an independent feature uh, yeah, it kind of does. Mm-hmm. In the case of uh, television, right? Um, you're going to have a set budget. Mm-hmm. There'll be a there'll be a production manager and line producer. TV's shot it. in seven days. You got to yeah. fit it. Yeah, we have a nine day pattern budget for a one hour episode of TV. So, right. But yes, in all the case, in I would say in three quarters of the cases of the independent features I've worked on. I will get a draft of the script, and the first question is, how many days do you think this is going to be? Mm-hmm. Well, let's, let's, would we move forward as we talk about schedules? Let's talk about it from the perspective of indie film. Sure. So what, to you, what is the first step of making a schedule? Well, the first thing I do is I read the script just to read it. And I actually make sure that I don't have a pen or a pencil nearby. I don't want to take any notes whatsoever. I'll make mental notes, but I'll just read it to read it so I understand the story. Then I will start to read it and make notes and create a breakdown for each scene. And a breakdown is basically listing every single element in the scene 
uh, so you know what needs to be there when you shoot it. So in elements, we're talking about picture cars and props and specific costumes. Everything you're going to see in the frame is an element. So yeah, cast, location, set, art department, set dressing, props, anything that is not dialogue is basically, you know, an element. Right. For this first preliminary pass, when you're just trying to get to how many days is this going to take to shoot? Producers waiting to hear how many days so then they can go forward and then do the budget. To you, what are the main elements you're looking for? I am looking for number of scenes is is very crucial to kind of figuring that out. A lot of producers um, and directors will look at the total page count, but I I did a movie that was 74 pages, which is relatively small, but there were 148 scenes. Hmm. And so each scene is a rehearsal, a setup, you know, multiple setups and a number of takes. And so that's going to take a while to do, even if it's just one of the page. Um, so I will look at the number of scenes and then I start to look at the number of sets and locations. Mm-hmm. You know, a movie that's going to, a movie that takes place entirely in and around a house with a driveway and a yard is going to take considerably less time than a movie that takes place in 15 more different locations. Right. So I start to look at I start to look at sets and locations and scene numbers. Mm-hmm. And then something I really made the connection with, as far as what that script is that you give to your AD, was how we did our scene headers. You start to realize how much of this stuff that you're putting on paper is going to get translated, and is the map you're giving to people to really make it. It's true. The, you know, the expression, you know, the script is the blueprint is absolutely true. The more detailed that blueprint can be, even at the very preliminary stage, the better. I do prefer it when the writer or the director goes in and already numbers the story days, like mm-hmm. interior, Carrie's house, night, night one. Mm-hmm. And you're like, great. You already, you as the writer already know, so you might as well write it down. Yeah, that was an interesting exercise too. Just going through our script and and um, realizing how many how many what do you call it script day or story day? I call them story days. Okay, so yeah, how many story days are in your script? So that I mean, it just gives you a whole different perspective. But but the hard information it's giving to your crew is, I think, especially for like hair and makeup and costumes, right? Like how many things are we talking about here and also it's helpful to the cast they're like oh right. wait, is this the next day and you're like yeah this is the next day like, oh, okay so right I because i had time to process this thing i learned yesterday it's okay, so. right and when you're actually shooting it and you're shooting a number of different story days and maybe even out of order it's nice to go yeah story story day one story day five you, doing enough of these you start i start to ask ridiculous questions like that you're like wait they woke up what was it an app or did they was it the next day what's happening you i start to ask questions as if i as if i know nothing about what's going on mm-hmm. and so when i start to ask those questions like oh hey they woke up is it the next day or did they take a nap what are we trying to convey it helps me get more detailed in. yeah and, and i think it's a great process for a director to do because just the more you talk about it and the more somebody 
asks you questions, the more you learn and really get dig deeper. A lot of times it's just like in your head, you have to be able to fill in all those blanks. Sometimes my function is drawing that information out of the director or the writer. Right, right. And just, and just being like, okay, I know that's in your head, but tell me. Yes. So that I can give it to you. <laughs> yes, right, right, right. What do you do with the breakdowns once you've gone through everything? I will go through the, uh, the script in order and do a breakdown in script order. So I'll have a script board that is called the continuity board. And then I'll have every scene in order. Uh, and even that will start to uh, raise questions, you know, as far as continuity, story days, like we just talked about. And for anybody who, like, this is totally new, a strip board is each breakdown for each scene has one line. And, that, and like, back in the day, when you before you had computers, they literally would be strips of paper. Correct. So it's basically a, a series of thin rectangles, and on the information on that strip, that thin rectangle, it will say, scene one, interior, Carrie's house, day, day one, three-eighths of a page. Uh, it'll list the characters, um, and then it'll have a description of what happens. And if there's any other room, you can put little notes or anything like that. But yes, way back, it was an actual, it was a case. It was a wooden case. Mm. The strips had hooks. Oh, you moved them around on different hooks. You, I heard stories of the assistant directors that have been, you know, worked during that time, and they're like, "Yeah, the production manager walked in and tripped over the strip board, and the whole thing just went." Oh my god! People made the face that you just made. Like, <laughs> oh god! Like I don't remember. Wow. It was before you had digital phones, so you couldn't like take a picture. Of it. But don't do you find that I I would imagine that doesn't all this information just get into your head? Like, I wonder if that happens, somebody tips it over and you're just like, I got it. <laughs> Start putting it up because you've talked about it so much that like, you know, you and the director are sort of the keeper of that information. When I am in the process of prepping and scheduling, typically when I shut my eyes, all I can see are different colored thin rectangles. <laughs> oh God. It's like Tetris. That is absolutely correct. It is like Tetris. Yeah just trying to fit everything where it can go yeah it's very satisfying like remember in tetris when it would like blink and the, the lines would just be like oh that's so satisfying yeah so so you were saying so the basics of the strip board your first strip board you're going to do a continuity board correct meaning you would you're scheduling it just for continuity it's in order just- it's basically just a document so that anyone can glance at it and be like, okay, this is the this is basically the script in order in strips. So I have an understanding of, you know, just the progression. Mm-hmm. Then what I do after that is I start to group all of the scenes, all the strips, according to sets and location. Um, and that's really, for me, when the schedule starts to take shape. And, I, and I'll just say that sounds like very basic information, but it actually, I think sometimes is hidden under a, bu- a bunch of stuff. I w- in our script, I was really surprised that Kelly's, our, our secondary character, there's almost as many scenes there as our main character. And I wouldn't have been able to tell you that if I hadn't gone through that exercise. And it just it sort of, un- it starts to unveil things too, which is really interesting. Every time I start doing a schedule, I think of this thing that we did in kindergarten. Oh, do tell. Um, I remember just a lesson on sorting. Mm-hmm. Our kindergarten teacher had all these sort of like buttons and like costume jewelry and things like that. 
And we would do an exercise where she'd be like, put all of the buttons that are kind of the same in one pile. And that's literally kind of what you're doing, you're doing when you start a schedule. Like, let's take all the things that are alike. Right. But I think that's part of like where the creativity comes from, because if we're talking about buttons, you could do it by color, you could do it by size, you could do it by how many holes are in the button, you know? So there is a certain amount of creativity and thought that has to go into that part of it. So we're sorting by location and trying to figure out what's going to fit in a day. And that's sort of like how we start to figure out how many days. So, so how do you decide what's, how much is too much in that day or or what you want your day to look like? You start to look at what is a reasonable amount of script. And then also you try and uh, contain the day as much as possible. You know, if you have, you know, if you have a day and a half at Carrie's house, then you have to start looking at like, okay, what's what can we put near Carrie's house? Is the police station near Carrie's house? Is the grocery store near Carrie's And is that enough for a half day of work? But my philosophy is first look at the numbers, look at the page count, look at the location. Are you in the same location all day? How can you stay in one place as long as possible? And then look at the content of the scene. A one and one eighths page scene of it, of somebody coming out, checking the mailbox, and then reading a text message on their phone is going to take way less to shoot than a one and one eighths page scene with three characters and everybody's got dialogue. Or you also, I would also like talk to the director and learn, okay, how crucial is the scene for you? So a one and one eighths page scene where somebody gets shot and dies is going to take way longer than one and one eighths of somebody coming mm-hmm. and checking their mailbox and taking a phone. Right. There might be like specialty shots you're going to do for that pivotal moment. Like, you know, we went through and tried to do like, okay, this is just a one or this is a one or one that, you know, just because it's really about your coverage is how long it's going to take. And there's also the, there's also the performance to consider. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's a really powerful scene and even if it's only five eighths of a page, you're going to want to dedicate more time to it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I kind of preliminary look at numbers first and then look at the content and see, look at the content and the elements and say, okay, this scene is one and one eighth, but it's a drive-by shot of um, somebody hurling a basketball at somebody's face and they fall over. Like you know, there's stuff. Yeah. Stuff, There's stuff. Stuff takes time. Stuff's going to happen. Stuff's going to happen. Stuff, stuff takes, takes time. time. <laughs> um, I think, um, you know, your advice to me was to not under underestimate. If anything, at this point, you know, give yourself some room. Because sort of after this point, I think everybody's going to be asking you to make it shorter. And for, for budget reasons, you know, you're going to, you're going to start making concessions. So this first pass I think it's good to think of as this is how I would like it this is how it would be nice if it went I think I actually think the phrase to use is this is the most reasonable schedule based on the amount of work Mm -hmm. and based on the content of our scenes Mm -hmm. content of the movie this is completely reasonable right because we all know just reasonable is going to become less and less important there will always be concessions and some of those things are going to be out of your control like whether a cast member missing a flight and not showing up a costume getting lost in shipping or 
you know, a hero prop that somebody sat on by mistake. Like things are just going to happen as, as much as we all try to make sure everything goes perfectly. Stuff's going to happen. So there's always going to be concessions. So I think, you know, try not in the first pass to make it too tight. Yeah. Because it's only going to get tighter. Right. What other things would you tell producers and directors to be aware of for that first pass? There are unique elements within the script that require a certain amount of finesse with the scheduling. For example, if you're working on a musical or an action show, um, you're typically going to want to put the action scenes towards the end of the schedule or the musical numbers towards the end of the schedule because you need to have time for those things to get fully conceptualized and rehearsed. Mm -hmm. um, so in situations like that, you're going to want to start with, you know, the easier work. There's also a psychology behind starting with something hard so that the crew quickly gets up to speed with the kind of movie you want to make, mm -hmm. you know, and it's sort of a, a little bit of a sink or swim, like today's day one, you make it. Right, right, right. Oh, that's interesting. The other little tidbit was that you don't typically start on a Monday. One of the things I like to do in an overall calendar is make the first day of shooting not on a Monday. Um, you know, the first week may be just a four-day week and you start on a Tuesday or it's a three-day week and you start on a Wednesday because having the last day of prep be a Friday and then people really just spend the weekend kind of ruminating about if Monday is going to go okay. And then, you know, some vendors might not be over open on the weekend. So you maybe you can't get that last minute piece of equipment or something like that. So if you start on a Wednesday, you've got Monday and Tuesday uh, for any last minute orders, items from vendors or anything like that, that you can still get. Um, so I always like starting. Like midweek. Yeah. You, what is that new phrase that people were using? Uh, Sunday scaries. Like you spend all day Sunday worrying about Monday. It's uh -huh. not really a day off. Right. Um, so start on, start on Wednesday. Yeah. Avoid the Sunday scaries. Avoid the Sunday scaries. <laughs> or the Sunday Garys. Or the Sunday, well, you can always, don't avoid the Sunday Garys. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what are you looking for from directors to help not only this scheduling process, but um, on set as well? I would say directors that can be as clear as possible in the prep process fully understanding that filmmaking is an art form and things are going to change and there's going to be inspiration or they're going to wake up in the morning and, and have a better idea to shoot the scene knowing that that's going to happen as much clarity as possible for me and the rest of the crew so that we can all be prepared there is that story about moonlight Mm. where the scene where mahershala ali is teaching the young boy to swim mm -hmm is a fantastic scene so beautiful cameras handheld i think in the water if i'm not mistaken i read an article where barry jenkins said that they shot that scene in 45 minutes they only had the beach that day they could only get in the water that day and there was a huge thunderstorm coming and you can't be in the water when you shoot that and so they shot that scene in 45 minutes how did they do it my guess is that they planned and planned and planned and they knew what that scene was going to be at its core so that the actors the director and the director of photography knew exactly what they had to get in order to make it a success mm -hmm. you know so 
being as clear as possible and being as specific with visually what the audience is going to see that's not in the script. The thing that always causes a certain amount of stress is the unknown. Yeah. The more I know as an AD, the more the rest of the crew and the rest of the department heads can know. Yeah. What drives you crazy that directors do that they don't realize really affects your department? I would say that anytime anyone in any department on any set makes an assumption that someone else knows something or they assume something is going to go a certain way or they assume that uh, it's been a com communicated clearly is, is the thing that kind of breaks everything apart. You know, making an assumption could really, could really destroy your day. Mm -hmm. That's a hard one because it, it's, it's um, not an active choice to make an assumption it's like what you don't know what you don't know right so to me you 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 overcome that by just constantly double checking triple checking mm. because you might all of a sudden be like you know what? we don't need to do close-ups for this let's we do got the it next scene yeah yeah and then you're like okay all the stuff for the next scene isn't going to be here for another half hour because i thought we were doing close-ups mm-hmm your department asks a lot of questions. We sure do. <laughs> um, and it's, it's only so that we can be ahead of the game. I mean, mm -hmm. there is nothing more satisfying than cut, print, check the gate. All right, scene eight's complete. All right, let's go over to the other set. Oh, good. The actors are right there standing by. All right, let's rehearse. You know, it's just like there wasn't a lag at all because the AD, the director, the director of photography were all on the same page about one more take and we're going to be done. And then we're going to move on to something else and should all be ready. Mm -hmm. I love that. Me too. Something else that just popped in my head is addressing COVID a little bit. I feel like you're, because your department is in touch with every, all of the departments and you're going in between, you must be thinking a lot about, you know, how do you really do your job if we have to social distance? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been on my mind quite a bit. You know, the AD team is on a walkie talkie and there are days as a second that I might never see the AD in base camp. So there's an advantage there that we're already kind of used to working via walkie talkie, cell phone or text, how that is going to parlay into how I as a second second or how I as a first AD are going to be able to effectively communicate and move the set along in an era where, you know, we have to stay physically as far apart as possible. That's going to, it's just going to be a challenge. Yeah. And it's going to take, it's going to take more time to do something because there's just that distance is going to create a, a lag in efficiency, mm -hmm. but that lag in efficiency will lead to a, um, an abundance of safety. Um, so one thing I like to do on this podcast is ask my guests their goal for the week because it's something that keeps me accountable to my own goals. However, <laughs> in this crazy time, I have found that this, these goals that I make are a little too aggressive and I'm not accomplishing anything right now. 
But I still, you know, Nick and I still want to be writing a new script and it's still something that I would like to work on. And I'm just going to try to write. That's how I'm going to move toward. I'm going to try to write every day. Yeah. Do you have anything? Uh, well, I wrote them down. Ooh, I, I a list? How? Oh, an AD that has a, a list? I can't well, believe it. My goal for this week is to see if I can stretch my pantry and refrigerator to see if I can. I'm almost towards the end of supplies. I'm going to see if I can stretch all that rice and leftovers to go till Thursday. I like that. That's a good one. I would like to uh, go for a daytime bicycle ride. I'm mostly doing my physical exercise at night, but I would like to get some more sunlight. And my on the exercise tip, my resistance bands showed up. So my goal for this week truly is to learn how to use those in this park. Fantastic. Those are good ones. I love that Gary had a list and he has a lot of goals. So I'm going to hold him to it and... Nick and I are going to do a story session next weekend, so that will help motivate me to write a little every day. Even if it's just writing down a character idea or a line of dialogue, I'm going to move toward that new script. Also, I was just going to mention that when I scheduled our new script with Gary, Red Knight's Rule, we settled on 28 days. Um, So for some context, Nick and I shot Armstrong in 15 days, and that production budget was $150,000. And so the next step is the budget. I'm going to guess that we're at about 7,500,000. And I hope to do a show soon so you can see if I'm right. Have you been learning anything new? Drop me a line at OKBackTo1 on Instagram and Facebook. 